Please turn your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. And we're going to look at verses 4 through 6. We're going to continue with the same title that we shared for the opening salutation, and that is riches. We are rich in Christ. We are going to share those riches throughout much of the beginning of this chapter, even beyond tonight. But last week, we opened with the privilege of the writer, Paul. He was an apostle of God in Jesus Christ. He was sent by God as a messenger with the gospel. What a privilege that was for him. And then he talked about the people that he's writing to. He talked about their position, he talked about their place, and he talked about their placing. They had placed faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They were saints from Ephesus and faithful. And then we shared the prayer of Paul, the earnest desire of Paul that grace and peace would be bestowed upon this church. While he was in prison, that's what he, he prayed and desired for them. And then he gave praise to God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He praised God before telling us of the prospering to us. And that prospering began with, we have spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. We are rich. And we're going to look at three of these riches tonight. Maybe a little more will fall in, but we're going to focus on three of them. You know, we're going to go verse by verse throughout Ephesians. That doesn't mean that we're going to go word by word. We could, and we could do that for a couple of years, and we may do that in the future. But we are going to go verse by verse, and we're going to share a lot from these verses. And for the riches tonight... In these three verses, verses 4 through 6, we are going to look at the fact that we are rich in holiness. We are rich in security. And we are rich in acceptance. Verse 4. According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, before Him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. I would just like to talk about these three riches tonight But there's a great need. There's a great need to talk about a doctrine that has come about as a result mainly of these verses. So we must talk about something that is believed out there and why we don't believe it. But that that doctrine is called Calvinism. And the doctrine is called Calvinism because it started with a man named John Calvin who started out as a Catholic. And he had some thoughts about these verses and about this subject of of predestination and election and, and chosen and all of these things. And there have been a lot that have got on board with his thoughts that he had about this. It's in many churches 
you know, throughout, throughout the nation, maybe throughout the world. It, uh, it's taken over many seminaries. And it's just all over the place. It's very aggressive. So I see a great need and an importance to address it and to take a look at this. And what I say and the way I say what I say about it, there would be those who believe it that would say, don't paint me quite with that brush. And there are different ways that that some might word it that believe this, but when you get down to rock bottom where the rubber meets the road, this is what they believe. And that is, God saves some, but God never intended to save all. That Jesus Christ did not die for all. And they say that because they believe... There's a whole world that God died for. And there's a few that are saved. And the thought behind the fact that that they say that Jesus didn't die for all was that it would have been a failure on God's part if everyone wasn't saved that He died for. So they say that He died for a specific called out Few, not for all. He died for certain people. And as I think about that, I think about how how ministry works and evangelism works and how the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ goes out. It goes out in His Word. This Word is all over the place. It goes out through the reading of the Word. It goes out through the preaching of the Word from the pulpit. It goes out from the witnessing on the street corners that Jesus Christ died to save us from our sins. And the power of the Holy Spirit draws people to be saved. We we can't be saved unless we're drawn by God. And so the power of of the gospel goes out and it draws, it draws some. It, it drew me and I was saved. It drew you and you were saved. But there's the thought that though the, the power of the gospel went out and, and convicted us of our sins and gave us an opportunity to turn from our sins that we might be saved, it touched this heart and it touched this heart and it touched this heart. But then all of a sudden, this person's blocked. And there is no light shed unto them. There is no draw upon their life that they might be saved. That they are damned, if you will. That doesn't add up. And that is not my God and His gospel. That one had no chance to be saved from their sins. You know, and, and some things that, that just come to my mind in observances of this doctrine. And, and you'll see it and you'll hear it too. And that is that I'll be listening to the radio sometimes and I'll hear a preacher and I like what he's preaching. I'll listen to him for several days. And then all of a sudden, there's a, there's a pre-warning in this and many say, 
church, it's broadcasted their church live, and it says, I know that some of you are going to get angry with what I'm about to teach. Some of you will get taught, and some of you will get a temper. I've I've heard it, uh, the build-up to it every time, as if it is something that that is forced upon people. Um, You know, and... And most everyone you run across that teaches Calvinism, they are so obsessed with it, their message is more about Jesus saves some instead of Jesus saves. You will find an overwhelming focus on that, and everything seems to hinge on that for people. Just some observances that I have personally made, chosen seems to be a more important identification than Christian. And if you ever happen to hear it, and I know a lot of you have heard it, and if you ever happen to hear it again, take note, By the way, that would probably be on the radio, TV, or another church. It wouldn't be here. But if you ever happen to hear it, you're going to hear something that sounds very intellectual. It sounds amazingly intelligent. You'll feel like, you'll feel like some kind of secular lecture is going on. Not something from the Spirit of the Lord. And that's what we believe. We don't, we don't believe that that doctrine is true. We, we don't believe it. We don't accept it. And maybe you want to say, okay, well, or maybe somebody online might want to say, well, okay, you don't accept it. Well, what, what do these verses mean then that are such a mouthful that we just shared? Well, if they don't mean we're a fatalist, as in, as in a predetermined outcome, if it doesn't mean we're a fatalist, what do these verses mean? Well, let's get into our first point and we're going to cover it. We're not going to be consumed with this, but we're going to teach. Let's not lose focus on three riches that we have. However, there is an importance to address these things. And so we're first going to look in verse 4 at how we are rich in holiness. It says, According as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, and here it is, that... We should be holy and without blame before Him in love. In past months, we were talking about some basic Bible doctrines. And one night, we shared some verses that some people use uh, to believe you can lose your salvation. And what we found with many, we found something. Uh, different about every single verse. And what we found with a lot of the verses is that the subject was not salvation. And here, as we tie these different words together, we will find that the subject is not what some think the subject is about or what these words are connecting to. And here we find the idea of predestination and election and what we're chosen to uh, in this passage, in these passages, but we're going to find out that it's not about salvation. As in, it's not about us being saved and, and how it is. 
if you will. What's predetermined here is not being saved. What's predetermined here is that the only way to be saved is in Him. It's predetermined that one would be saved in Christ and no other way. And thinking about what we're saved into here, we have the word chosen according as He hath chosen us. When we understand what the verse says here, it's not about being chosen into spiritual life. It's about being chosen into spiritual living. What we have been chosen into is a lifestyle. When we're saved, there is a lifestyle that is chosen for us. And we see it right here. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. When we trusted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, there was a lifestyle that was already planned for you and I. There was the character of the Christian life that was already set in place. And it was ordained by God that we have a life of holiness and being without blame before Him. See, it's not about the beginning of salvation. It's not about the giving of salvation. It's about living for the Savior. That's what we've been chosen to after we're saved, is this life. When we choose Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, our life to be lived is already lined out in the way that we are to live it. It's already been chosen for us. And man, are we rich. Because this is a life that you and I could never attain to on our own. There's no way we could have done it. No discipline could produce the life that God has ordained for His children. No determination could reach it. No dinero could buy it. It's a set-apart life by a spiritual strength that God gives. And in thinking about that, let us interject something in the day and time we're in. It's not okay to live after the lusts of the flesh. It's not okay. People say, oh, that's just my flesh. That's just my flesh. And it's true, the flesh is going to hang around until the Lord takes us to heaven. But there's a reverence for an ordained life that God has called us to, that God has chosen that we would live. A God-ordained lifestyle ready for you and I when we are redeemed. So, so man, are we rich. Our lives are becoming what they never could have become before we were saved. It's a rich life that God has for us that starts the moment that we trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. There's a phrase that some use, I've even used it before, 
wow, that person had a radical change when they were saved. What we mean to say is that we could see the radical change quickly. But every Christian has a radical change when they're saved. Saved out of an old life and into a new life. Lifestyles of the rich and favored. That's what you'll find in the family of God because that's what God has given to us. The millionaire in the world can't touch these riches, but the man and woman of God can by the strength of God, by what God has set out for us in advance. So I say tonight that we're rich in holiness. But we're not only rich in holiness, we're rich in security. Verse 5 says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. The word predestinated here. That word does not mean saved. They're not interchangeable there. That's not what that means. It's, It's not having saved us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ. That, that's not what the original language is saying. It's, it's not what fits. Look, having predestinated us, he says. That word, predestinated, it means marked out beforehand. It means that something has been predetermined. The question is, what has been predetermined? And what we have here that has been predetermined is this blessed heavenly adoption by God through Jesus Christ. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That's what's been predetermined. It's been predetermined that anyone that will be saved is going to be saved by Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. There is no other way to be saved but through Him. That has been predetermined or predestinated, if you will, as the exact word said. This is about the means of salvation. It's about Jesus Christ being the means, not we made it and others won't. It's not about that whatsoever. That is not what's been predetermined. But to be in Jesus only, to be saved, that's what's been predetermined. And though it's important to call out this aggressive doctrine, let us keep our main focus on on what we're talking about tonight, and that is the riches that we have. We are rich in holiness, and then we began this, and we will get to this, that we are rich in security. There is a word that Paul uses here, and the word is adoption. Paul used the word also when he wrote to Rome. 
And he said, by the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Father. God is our Father, and a manner, a process by which it's described is adoption. He wrote this to Ephesus. He wrote it to Rome. Adoption. We are adopted into the family of God. And I just want to point out a little side note here, something about the history of this, and that is, under Roman law, if you adopted a child, that child was permanently yours. Look, with your own child, the father had the power under Roman law with his own child that he could work him, he could enslave him, he could sell him, he could even sentence him to death. But under the law for adoption, that was a permanent bond that took place. There was no getting rid of that child. You you couldn't do it. The child was adopted permanently and could never be disinherited. He was secure for life as a son of his new father. When he came into, this adopted child came into a new family, then all the darkness and all the death, all the obligations of his past were in his past. And he was not responsible for them. Those things were gone when the child was adopted into a family under Roman law. But not only that, immediately this child came into all the rights and all the privileges of his new family. And here we have Paul using this word to speak to us about us coming to Christ and us having a new father in heaven by way of adoption. And that's where I say that we are rich in security. Because when we were drawn by Jesus, we made a decision to trust in Him as Lord and Savior. We don't do anything else, but we do get that opportunity to make a decision. And by the way, again, we can only make that decision because of the Lord. Because He draws us to that place... Yet we make that decision and we trust in Christ while He's saving us and He saved us and we were removed from the darkness and death of our past having become a child of the King with all the rights and the privileges as Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ when we trust in the Lord as our Savior. We go from the bondage of corruption to being the bride of Christ, and God doesn't divorce us. It is a permanent, fixed position that we have. We are God's child forever. We are rich. We are rich in assurance. We're not only rich in assurance, we're rich in acceptance. 
to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved, rich in acceptance. We're not driven on emotion here. We don't try to drum up emotion. But just that word acceptance can do acceptance I believe there's all kinds of wrong relationships going on in the world of all different kinds because of the overwhelming desire to be accepted rejection hurts I'm glad my brother was vulnerable tonight because it's true and I'll tell you, rejection hurts. I'll even, I'll even tell you a story about my rejection. Brother Rick says, who knows any, anyone's testimony better than their own? So here I am, a kid. I'm 16 years old. I've grown up in the same area all my life. I went to the same elementary school, the same junior high. I get to high school. I'm in 10th grade. I've been with a lot of the same kids for, uh, for 10, 11 years, you know, and, and I'm kind of comfortable. I'm with the in crowd. I'm not a Christian, so my acceptance is to be with the popular crowd and the cool people. And I was with them. I was Galena Park High School Yellow Jacket. And all of a sudden, my family starts having problems. I won't go into that. But I get moved to deep east Texas. It's kind of northeast, but if you went there, you'd say you were in deep east Texas. Uh, Atlanta, Texas. A lot of you had never heard of it. I understand. So I went from a Galena Park yellow jacket to an Atlanta rabbit. It gets worse. The band's called the Big Bad Band from Rabbitland. I kid you not. I didn't fit in. I thought, people thought of me as kind of a country boy down here. But I get out to deep east Texas and I'm a city slicker. And like I said, I don't know the Lord. I'm not a Christian. How am I going to be except what's this desire in me to get with that in crowd? Let me tell you something. I woke up at my aunt's house every morning and drove to school knowing I wasn't going to be spoken to up and down the hallway by the cool crowd. Uh, it, I did not mesh with any of them whatsoever. It was just downright rejection. It was. I heard them talking about me. I was different. And, and I remember it to this day. That's not a pity story. I don't want your sympathy. I'm over it. But nevertheless, you have a story. You know rejection. And maybe you're even struggling through it still. We seem to define the attitude of our day and what kind of day we're having or what kind of month we're having or what kind of year we're having based on a rejection that we've experienced, we don't like it and it hurts and we seem to really get discombobulated by it. What do we do about that? Look right here. To the praise of his glory, of his grace, wherein he, Jesus Christ, hath made us accepted. 
in the beloved. What Jesus Christ has done in our place pleased the Father and has made you and I acceptable. We're not acceptable in and of ourselves. That's why it says he hath made us accepted. There was a man that was having a major surgery. And and as the story goes, the pastor went to be with the man before his surgery. And the man said before this surgery, he was having anxiety about it. It was a major surgery. And he said, I hope that I'm acceptable to God. And nothing was said right then and there in front of the doctors and in front of the family. Maybe it should have been because that was very important. And those words are very concerning. But the man made it through the surgery by the grace of God. And that man was later told, you are not acceptable. But Jesus Christ is acceptable. And in Christ is how you and I are made acceptable to God. Everyone wants to be accepted. And people do ridiculous things and jump through outrageous hoops in order to be accepted. Can we stay grounded on the fact that we are accepted in Jesus Christ? Can that fill you and I? Can that complete our hearts that we are accepted in Him and we are accepted by Him? We are very rich in acceptance. There's good news that though you and I aren't acceptable, God accepted His Son. And through Him, we are. You see, acceptance is not about You and I, it's to you and I, though, it's to you and I from Jesus Christ. It's all about him. We are accepted in him. God accepts his son. He accepts what his son did for us. God's voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased And Jesus came to this earth. He was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death. And he was miraculously born and he lived a perfect life. And he willingly went to that cross and he died and he was placed in the sepulcher. And he was raised from the dead by God because God accepted His Son, and what He did for you and I. And that makes you and I accepted. We're accepted every day. We're accepted for life. Whenever the whole world seems to shun you, you are accepted by Jesus Christ. When your heart is broken by someone, when you have friends and those friends are just no longer around and they just abandoned you like yesterday's news and you feel rejected, you are accepted. By the Lord Jesus. And if you have never been saved. You can have God's grace tonight. You need God's grace tonight. And he wants to give it to not just some. But whosoever. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord 
shall be saved. God has grace for everyone here tonight. And there's peace when you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior because you're accepted by Him and you come into union and relationship with Him. And it's something that you know, as 1 John says over and over and over. It's something you know and it's something you have and He will not cast you away if you don't know that you are saved, this is the most important thing for you to have happened to you tonight. That you let Jesus save you. There is no way you'll be rejected if you trust in God's Son whom He accepts. There's no way you'll be cast aside. It is your complete eternal acceptance if you will receive Jesus. If you don't. There is rejection. Some people. And I don't mean this sarcastically. It's just the way it's coming out. Some people act as if God. Doesn't have a backbone. As in. They can really throw a little church attendance. Before God. And a Christian family before God. When they stand before him. And. And man, I have to be right. That has to count for something. Let me read what Jesus said very clearly. He says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name have done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. When... When you consider what someone brings before the Lord here that's rejected, you might think it's someone who, who attended church a lot, who attends church a lot, who may even be somehow on the membership role, who may even be serving in a ministry. And they're doing all of these things, but it's not about the doing or who we know or if we've been baptized or if we got on that membership roll. It's about knowing Jesus Christ in a personal relationship. He says, I never knew you. He didn't say they didn't do the things that they did. He didn't deny that at all. But he did say, you don't know me. And Jesus wants to know everybody. And anyone can know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And you need to know nothing else tonight if you're unsaved. But that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. And he will forgive your sins and take you to heaven. But as we're in the text. And as Christians are sharing. I do want to say this, you, you will become the richest person you could ever possibly be. Rich in holiness, rich in security, and rich in acceptance. Well, aren't you glad that eternal life is for everyone? 
You know, I, I, consider, I consider families who are burdened for their loved ones who are unsaved. And aren't you glad to know the truth that we're not carried away with every wind of doctrine and we know the truth that there is always hope for someone to be saved. That we don't have to tremble and grieve thinking, what if my sister's blocked? What if my brother is one of those who are blocked and he just never has a chance to come to Jesus as Lord and Savior? Ecclesiastes says that a living dog is better than a dead lion because while there is life, there is hope. And there is always hope for anyone in Jesus Christ that they might be saved. Well, we're going to close in a word of prayer tonight. We're right at the time. I appreciate uh, the attention, not to me, but to the good, infallible word of God. And pray that you love it. Love the word of God. And that you're lifted up by it throughout your week. And uh, have a blessed rest of your week. We'll look forward to seeing you Sunday. Corey Gerard.